When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, TD Fantasy listeners? Jake Arians here. Not only am I one of your co-hosts on the podcast of TD Fantasy, I'm also very privileged and proud to be the president of the Arians Family Foundation, the foundation that we started to honor my mom and the work that she's done uh, for underprivileged kids uh, throughout her entire life. So for more information, go to ArianesFamilyFoundation.com, at ArianesFF on all your social media outlets. It's the TD Fantasy. The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TD Fantasy Podcast. Happy New Year to everybody. The crew is back together. Happy to have Jake back. Jake, Jamie, and myself all here. Uh, like I said, Happy New Year to everybody. We have lots to talk about right after Jamie and I finish the podcast money. Like, literally right after we finish. Antonio Brown... There are just, my entire Twitter feed was filled with reports about what happened with Antonio Brown. So what we have gathered now is Antonio Brown was not actually injured when he did not play on Sunday in a, in a, what I can only say was the most crucial game of their season because they had to win that football game. So that's how, that's how bad, you know, it was because you know how much Antonio Brown means in that offense. And it was very visible that they missed him in that game. They ended up winning, but it doesn't matter because they're out of the postseason. Antonio Brown reportedly got into an argument with Ben Roethlisberger, threw a football at him during practice, left practice, left at halftime during the game. Got Mike Tomlin hasn't talked to Antonio Brown. He's requ- requested a trade. Didn't show up for meetings on closeout Did, meetings. Didn't, on didn't show up for closeout meetings. Full diva mode activated, like full blown diva mode, right? And this has been lingering all season long. This is not the first time we have talked about Antonio Brown and issues with the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. First time we've talked about issues with Big Ben. Big Ben's going on radio shows, putting guys on blast. It's not good in Pittsburgh. And oh, by the way, they missed the postseason when everybody, including three people sitting here right now, had them at least, if not sitting sitting in a first round bye, going to the Super Bowl this year because they are one of the most talented teams in the NFL. And I don't care that they didn't make the postseason. They're still one of the most talented teams in the NFL. They just made a lot of mistakes this season, and it's a disaster in Pittsburgh. So there's a bunch of angles here. I think it starts with a lack of leadership because there was something wrong with this team all year. Le'Veon Bell stuff all the way through, all the locker room issues you heard early in the year. You know what fixes that? You win five out of six in the middle of the season. You Mm -hmm. get back in first place. Everybody kind of thinks it's okay. Yeah. It wasn't, apparently. Uh, Antonio Brown is a fifth-round pick, chip-on-his-shoulder Hall of Famer, who is a giant diva. Him and Ben are close. So whatever that was, I think the stuff you saw Ben putting guys on blast was somebody trying to be the leader. And that's not really Ben's personality to call guys out like that. But I think he felt like he had to because nobody else was. And I'm talking about Tomlin. Kevin Colbert's always quiet, behind-the-scenes kind of guy. He's not a Dave Gettleman, who we'll talk about in a minute. Colbert's a really good GM who put a damn good team together. For sure. I think it starts with Mike Tomlin, who there's rumblings of all kind of stuff of what's going to happen to him. Um, 
there's going to be change in Pittsburgh. And my big question to you guys is, with this team that good, here's the other issue with AB, too, before we jump off of it. Juju Smith-Schuster was voted by his teammates as the MVP of the team. That did not sit well with AB, I promise you. They're boys, and he's his mentor, and it's like his little brother. But to AB, that is the B player, and I'm the A player, and he just got the MVP from my teammates. So before you that ask hurt, us, I so promise be- you. So before you ask us this question, this is what I want to ask you guys. Is this, is this what this is all about? Because it kind of feels like Antonio Brown was his mentor, and they are close. Juju and AB are close. But it kind of feels like, you know, when you're the older brother – and you both play the same sport. And the older brothers used to be in better than the, than the younger brother. And then all of a sudden. The older brother stops growing at 5'10". The, the, younger brother brother gets gets, the, younger, <laughs> yeah. the younger brother gets bigger. And all of a sudden the younger brother's getting just as much attention, if not more attention. And then all of a sudden he's more popular than the older, than the older brother. When in reality, the older brother is still better, right? Because Antonio Brown is still better than Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Yeah, I don't know if that's the issue so much. This is just a combination of a lot of things. We, okay. we talked about Antonio Brown in the preseason of, he wasn't. He was not happy. Yeah. We were, whether he was when he was going to report. Uh, you know when you see those DVDs like years later when they break they break down all of like a dynasty. Yeah. And at the very end of the DVD, you see like those news clips where they just like splice in this player happens here, this happens to the coach. The end of the dynasty. Yeah. That's what we're witnessing now. Yeah. So when the Steelers DVD of what this era is going to be comes to an end, it's going to end with a news clip of Le'Veon Bell not reporting to camp. Antonio Brown is upset. Ben Roethlisberger criticizing teammates. And eventually, which could be this offseason, could be next offseason, Mike Tomlin fired. Well, that was that was my question to you guys. Is this is the window for this, this Steelers team over? I don't know that it's over when Ben's still playing. If, but if you lose A.B. Without and AB, you don't have players. Le'Veon Bell – the offensive line is still really good. They can plug and play some guys. They can make, but that defense isn't good enough to really no. carry them. I will say this: if if Antonio Brown leaves, and obviously we know Le'Veon Bell is not there, even if Ben comes back, it's over. You can't. This team is not good enough without Antonio Brown and an elite. I love James Conner, but he didn't come back. We don't know what he's going to look like next year. And to be fair to Le'Veon Bell. I love what James Conner did, but he's not Le'Veon. Though. No, I mean, he's not. Without AB, it's still a top ten offense. Juju can be a number one. One hundred percent. Still a top ten offense. That defense is not good enough to make no, this team an yeah. elite so Super Bowl contender. Back to AB. I mean, he had a bad year. He couldn't get open. They didn't win, and he's the ultimate competitor. He he's a diva. Every receiver, including Larry Fitzgerald, are divas people. They yeah. want the ball. Yeah, what's part of what makes them who they are. Some guys handle it better than others. But A.B. wants his numbers, and he wants to win. And when he doesn't, look at him in the beginning of the year when they, they weren't winning. He couldn't take it. No. And then you have issues, and then it all came to a head. And there's yeah, and the first thing I led this with, I think there's leadership issues in Pittsburgh, big ones. And I think yeah. the, the rumors of losing the locker room were right. There, there's something to that. This team now missed the playoffs. Yeah, and, and they that's, were. And that's an unfamiliar spot for them, too. We're talking about why like Antonio Brown is acting. And not he's acting out differently than normal, but maybe more pronounced. This this isn't a scenario we have seen with the Steelers. We haven't no. seen this Steelers team in their prime losing like this and missing the playoffs. No, not healthy. I mean, that with the exception of James Conner at the end of the season, I mean, they didn't really have any injury issues. I mean, they, no, had, they, their, they had their stars. Their yeah. stars were all playing. Ben was playing. Antonio Brown was playing. Juju Smith-Schuster was playing. James Conner was playing. I mean, this, this offense at times looked 
unbelievable looked Kansas City Chiefs-like. I mean, they looked just as good. That game against Carolina on Thursday night yeah. football, they looked but unstoppable. They, they got to learn to play a road game. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how, why this team can't play on the road anymore, but and it's, and it's not a one-year issue now. This is a two- to three-year issue. No, for sure. Not able to play on the road. Yeah. And There's some really bad losses down the stretch, too. I mean, you're talking about Oakland, Oakland Cincinnati. Yeah. You win at home, but it's god-awful in that last game. They just looked bad. I mean, honestly. We Whereas John Harbaugh was getting fired halfway through the season, <laughs> yeah. which is the yeah. dumbest thing I've ever freaking heard. And then, oh, Lamar Jackson's going to go, what, 6-1 and one down the stretch or whatever it was, and they yeah. won the division. Listen, I think the writing, we all should have known that this team was not going to turn out to be the team we thought it was when they tied with Cleveland at the beginning of the season. I think when that happened, and that was, oh, by the way, that was the Hugh Jackson-led Cleveland team, not the, te- not the Cleveland Taylor. team, not, the, Taylor, not yeah. the Cleveland team we're seeing now that has been ballsy since Baker Mayfield took over and they fired dangerous. Hugh Jackson and dangerous, yes. right? This is, they tied that team at the beginning of the season when they were, I believe, like, a double-digit spread favorite in that football game. I mean, that was – Bad weather, windy. He tried to force it to A.B. Ben didn't play good. Like, I chalked that up to, like, okay, on the road, the wind and the rain and all that. But, no, you're right. I mean, that should have been, okay, there you go. This team – and they just never – they never got it together. They just didn't. They They never – They had that five- or six-game stretch halfway through the year when they were running it a ton. Yeah. James Conner was putting up big numbers. They weren't throwing as much, and then Ben couldn't force it to A.B. Then they went right back to throwing it 50 times again. I think Ben broke – the Steelers' records in attempts, completions, yards, sure. all that, because they threw it more than they've ever thrown it. I can't remember what the statistic was, but when he forced the ball to Antonio Brown, his interception rate was yeah. out of control. Because we all know what Antonio Brown did. He always is getting double teamed. Yeah. And A.B. was mad and wanted the ball and verbalized that in the media and on Twitter and whatever else. And then – Listen, Ben started throwing in the football. It wasn't the same separation either. As A.B. lost a step, is he finally getting a little older? Yeah, he's still really damn good. Yeah, he is. But he wasn't the same player. And did he have something that he was dealing with all year that you don't know about? I mean, it's – I don't know. The the team is – there's a lot of questions, and I think they open themselves up to any criticism anybody wants to give them. Does Mike Tomlin coach his football team next season? Yes. Yes. Does Antonio Brown start for the Pittsburgh Steelers next season? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. I – this is okay. Everybody's hurt right now. Everybody. If Ben Roethlisberger's back, AB's yeah. back because he ain't coming back with with no AB and not the way he wants it. You, yeah. You just got in a fight with your girlfriend. You said something you didn't want to say. You stormed out of the door. Doesn't mean you're getting you're breaking up or getting divorced. Yep. All right. Moving along. There's too uh, much talent here, and again, they still have put those team back together next year. They can still win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I can't say that for two, three, four years down the road, but for next year, those yeah. players come back, they can still win a Super Bowl. 100%. All right. Uh, the other uh, shenanigans that we're dealing with is Dave Gettleman, and Dave Gettleman's quotes are always entertaining. Okay, He says it exactly like it is to the media and everybody else. So he met with Eli Manning, and he is not going to confirm whether or not Eli Manning is going to start as the quarterback next year. That is very interesting, seeing as they don't have another option right now, and the options in the draft are not so good. They're not so good. So, Jake, please give some insight, because you know the situation very well, into Dave Gettleman, Eli Manning, and, and whether or not you think Eli's going to be a starter next One, year. I say Dave Gettleman is the perfect guy for the New York Giants GM job. He is that New York, New Jersey, in-your-face Say it like it is. I don't care if you don't like it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So I'm telling you right now, he's being honest. Yeah, for with sure. what came out of this conversation. And what's really going on here is Dave's going to say, he's basically saying, I'm going to go do my job. 
I'm going to look at options. Yeah. I'm going to try to make some trades. For I'm sure. going to try to find somebody better than Eli Manning. And if I can't, he'll be our starting quarterback. Yeah. The, the starting quarterback for next year may or may not be on this team is what he's saying. And he probably told Eli that. If I can go trade for Jameis Winston or Cam Newton, I think there's going to be some crazy stuff this offseason. I agree as well. I, now, Cam Newton's not going anywhere because Ron Rivera didn't go anywhere. But you have new ownership. I thought there could be some really weird stuff going on there. Um, there could be some some trades. I think, yeah. And they have – here's another thing. Eli Manning makes a lot of money. Yeah, it's a big cap next year. So, like, you move him, they can make some serious – there's three or four players plus a new quarterback in that mix. I don't know what's going to happen, but go back to what I said two years ago. I think it's changed some. Don't underestimate the power that Eli Manning has in that building. He's a two-time Super Bowl winning Super Bowl MVP for the Giants, who are a very proud franchise, who have been very loyal and very classy people. But you have a new head coach, a new GM, and sooner or later, you got to move on. Yeah, you yeah. have to. Look, I've, uh, I'm of the mindset that I still believe Eli Manning is going to be the starting quarterback next year because I don't know where they're going to get that better option. Maybe it's Dwayne Haskins in the first round. Again, I'm, they were like Herbert there. We'll see if they still go that way. Like Jake said, I don't think Cam's going anywhere now. I don't know where they go. I, as somebody that watches the Giants a lot, I would be dancing in the streets if they can find a way to call up old friend Tom Coughlin and say, how can we make a deal? How can yeah. we send Eli down to Jacksonville and make that kind of a deal just to get out of that cap hit? And because, yeah, you can sign a quarterback to give you what Eli Manning gave you this year. There, there, there will be the Case Keenums of the world. Not him himself, he's under contract. Yeah, on the free agent market this year. So if they could find a way to move him, that's great. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Eli Manning will be their quarterback next year. He'll finish out his contract, uh, and then they'll see if they can kind of coax him into a retirement. Yeah. And like make this a kumbaya, everybody, everybody loves each other kind of scenario. But you're not going to make significant progress in the Super Bowl next year with Eli Manning as your quarterback unless you're drafting a guy. And if you believe you have a guy that's worth drafting, it could be Haskins. But you're lucky to go 5-11 and 11 again. Yeah. You draft a rookie not quarterback that's not – I mean, even if it's Baker Mayfield this year, they're not going to be better than 5-11. and 11. No, and, and just, Eli's going to start for them even in that, in that case. That the, So that leads me to my other question because this has been an argument all season long. All season long, okay? Saquon Barkley gets drafted number two overall. We all know running backs are – one of the positions that you can find later on in the draft. Not this dude. 100%, right? But the but all that being said, the quarter when there were a lot of quarterbacks in this draft that were there at 2. And Dave Gettleman said, "I'm not taking I'm not taking a quarterback. I'm drafting the best player available." And I don't think anybody would would argue that Saquon Barkley was the best player, the best player in the draft available, period. okay? But He's not, he does not play the position that is the most valuable at that spot. Right. Okay. There were Sam Darnold was available. Josh Allen was available. Josh Rosen was available. Lamar Jackson was available. There were a lot of quarterbacks who we've seen be successful in moments throughout the season. So Dave Gutterman doubles down on it, says, I'm taking Saquon hundred times out of a hundred. Do you agree with his decision? Jake, I'll let you go first. Yes. Okay. They thought they were going to be better than they were. I thought they were going to be better than they were. Mm-hmm. He thought adding a piece and a weapon like Saquon Barkley, who broke every Giants record, by the way, and a bunch of NFL rookie records. I mean, this was a phenomenal year for a guy that played all 16 games. Yeah. You can't ask for better production from that draft pick as a number two. And they thought they were going to put him in with a chance to win the division. And they didn't. They didn't play very well. The defense, they had a ton of injuries. I mean, they were playing with guys that weren't playing last year that were free agents and 
some of the guys they counted on, Alec Ogletree got got hurt. I mean, they just Landon Collins got hurt. They thought they were going to be better than they were. Now they knew they were going to go five and eleven, or thought they didn't have the pieces to be good. Then I think you definitely take Darnold or somebody like that at two, and you sit him and go, okay, we'll go five and eleven. We'll sit him. We'll make Eli be done, but Eli be last year. We'll we'll move on then. High insight is twenty twenty. If you're going to go, okay, my second round pick is going to break every record of the position that we draft him in right now and break NFL all time records. Doesn't help a draft pick. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with the draft pick. I, I don't think you could have passed up Saquon Barkley to build for a hypothetical future. Jamie, I agree. Even in in hindsight, I mean Baker's off the board already. So yeah. the question then at that point, do you take the guy that went next? Yeah, but at, at the draft time, we all had Baker's a second or third quarterback. Sure, but like even in in, in high. Even in hindsight, I'm still not sure I'm taking anybody. Maybe Baker, but I'm not taking anybody over Saquon. I mean, he's been – look, I, I know the quarterback is the premium position and you hate the draft already. Go back, back to time. Saquon, though. I don't mean to cut you off. But, like, dude's never been hurt in college. I know. He's, he's no off-the-field issue. He's a leader. Like, there's – He brings intangibles. Like, That's exactly what Dave Gettleman said. back to we had the draft. Like, there was no risk with this dude at all. No, and he played all 16 games and put up. Yeah, for sure. On like, a bad football. I don't mean to cut you off, but, like, it, there was so much upside to this kid. And he put up. Yeah. And, again, like to talk about, they thought they could win. Right. They could be a competitive team right away. But, like, like for example, let's go back to what the St. Louis Rams did back when they were the St. Louis Rams in 2015. They had Nick Foles. They had Case Keenum. They passed on the opportunity to take a quarterback with the number 10 pick in that draft. They they took Todd Gurley with that pick. And they went a couple years later or the next year and they got their quarterback. You can be successful. The Giants have to get a quarterback soon. Yeah. They didn't necessarily have to get one in the last draft. Now, you have to get one in the next year or two or else you're going to waste – Again, you're paying all of Beckham a lot of money. Yeah. You're going to have to start paying Saquon four years down, four or five years down the road. Okay. So you need, you, you're in a window now where it's now lessened. So now you have maybe a two year window where you have to find that quarterback of the future. Here, here's a, we need to put this one out on Twitter. Would Nick Mullins be a better option as the quarterback of the Giants next year than Eli Manning? No. It's Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's Shanahan coming with him. Yeah. I, yeah. That scares me. Pat Shermer's pretty good. Now, yeah. you're talking about a $24 million difference in sure. salary cap. If I could get rid of Eli's cap, absolutely. I would get rid of Eli's cap now and just say, we'll see what happens. Not with Kyle Alana, but like, but we'll see what happens with somebody off free agency. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take a one year prove it Joe Flacco deal. Seriously. Over oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, there, there are a lot of, to absolutely. me, I just, Joe I don't, Flacco is a major upgrade for me. To me, right just, now, but will Joe Flacco is making $25 million. Yeah. But I think there's no me, cap difference. Yeah. But to, to me, unless they come, but to me, I just cannot see a scenario that Eli Manning is not their starting quarterback next year, unless he decides to retire, which isn't going to happen this year. No, I just I two years from now, I don't think Eli is the starting quarterback next season. I think he's the starting quarterback. I think the Giants could end up drafting a guy like Dwayne Haskins and having him sit for the year. I think it's fifty fifty. I think Dave Gettleman's doing everything he can to find upgrade at that position. And like Jamie said, the cap hit is so sick. You're talking about five or six starters. Yeah, and that defense needs eight or nine new guys for sure. So like you could that's and that offensive line still needs a ton of help. The first phone call he's making is to Tom Coughlin. I mean, that's the because of the relationship that Tom that Tom Coughlin has with Eli Manning and. That would be a, probably the best situation for Eli going into a system where he will have a relationship with upper management. He's got a good defense that's going to come back and be completely set up for success next year. They could bounce back. I mean, it's it's. Eli's it's, got one more year left on his yeah, team. Yeah, Eli's twenty three point two million dollar cap hit. That's big. That's, that's big. Good. They won't we'll do it, but they can cut him. They won't do it. They'll say they can save seventeen million of that by cutting him. 
17 million they could save on the cap That's by cutting him. But three they, really good starters right there. But yeah. they won't do it. No. I just don't think that they I think they get one more year and his contract's up, and then at that point when he's not under contract to you anymore. You say it's a little bit of a different conversation signing somebody versus just letting them. Here's another part out. of this too. It's the Giants who are traditional, mm-hmm. classy, do it the right way. You're going to get a little more time in New York than you're going to get a lot of other places. For sure. And they've had pretty recent success. So, okay, if we like Pat Shermer and we like Dave Gettleman and we like the direction we're going, we can live with this for one more year. Yeah. This NFL, man, that is tough to do, but it's one of the places where you could probably get an extra year yeah. to do that. Because of, because of what he's done and because of the success that the Giants have had with Eli. The problem with that is you go 5-11 and 11 twice, Yeah, get him and Pat Shermer talking about going out the door with Eli if it's, if it's ugly. That's, yeah. that's, but, but that's the case where you have, your owners have to make a decision now. Yeah. If, if the ownership's saying, you know, Eli Manning needs to be our quarterback, you say, okay, but, but then, they don't hold me responsible for what happens this year when I think we can upgrade that. Yeah. That's not how life works because they will still be held responsible. Right. But That's damn sure how the NFL works. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, we are going to move on to a list of fantasy football awards. Jamie put this together. You can check it out at tdfantasy.com for all the in-depth writing that he put together there. But I'm going to go through the list, and the guys are going to talk about who they have at that position. Uh, MVP. I think this one's pretty easy, but I'll let Jamie tee this one up. Yeah, I picked Patrick Mahomes over Todd Gurley slightly because Scott Gurley didn't play the last two weeks of the year, and for and a lot that of people, mattered. <laughs> that was huge. I mean, there I I played against somebody in the finals that had Todd Gurley. And, you know, it doesn't feel like the MVP when they're putting up a zero on your bench and not being ruled out until two finals. hours before game time in the finals. Well, again, five thousand more than five thousand yards, fifty touchdowns. He was number two in fantasy points per game, number one overall player in total fantasy points. I don't think there's any argument here. Patrick Mahomes was the fantasy MVP. He was one of the most, one of the five most common players on championship teams in ESPN leagues. And we'll get to him again here in a minute because mm-hmm. I think where you drafted him, you got some damn good value. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's it's right there. I think it was Gurley for about ten or twelve weeks, and then Chicago happened. Yeah, and then he didn't he didn't play, and Mahomes just just kept on rolling. He did, he did, and uh, so the runners up there to finish on the top five, but Gurley at number two. Saquon Barkley, number three. Still don't think he's somehow still not getting enough credit for the season that he's having. I think because the Giants have been irrelevant. The Giants were irrelevant, yep. But uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, number four. And Alvin Kamara had a really strong year, number five. Yeah. Yeah. And might be all alone in that backfield next year. We'll see what happens with Mark Ingram. Yeah, there's these uh, discussions that we have in the offseason about where we're going to draft these guys, how they're going to project out. Those are all interesting conversations as we continue on through the offseason after after some really good playoffs that we'll get into over the weekend. Uh, the least valuable player. Uh, when you're Leonard talking- Fournette. Stop right now. Well, see, go no, and here's why I don't have Leonard Fournette on there. This is the one I went with. <laughs> God, he pissed me off still. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to him later. But what I did for LVP was this is a player who was drafted high and played most of the season. Okay. So what is, my qualification here was that if you had Devontae Freeman, you knew after week two he was on IR, you caught him, you don't have to think about him anymore. Yeah. If you had Leonard Fournette, at least the eight weeks he started, he was fairly productive. Yeah. Dalvin Cook. Yeah, and this, he was productive toward the end of the year. Yeah. This is the case where guys were just kind of mediocre. You didn't know when you could drop them, when you couldn't drop them. They teased you that maybe they might be something. I picked LaShawn McCoy for this. Uh, you know, he was be drafting the late second or early third round of drafts. He played 14 games, averaged less than double-digit points, only 9.1 points per game uh, in PPR formats. He was drafted as running back 15 and finished as running back 39. 
I'm going to jump in here because there's somebody that you have on your list that I would put up as the least valuable player. And that is, and I will never believe in him ever again. I'm saying that right now. I'm never, ever, ever going to tell you to draft him. That is Jimmy Graham. I'm so tired of hearing about he's he's with (laughs) this quarterback and he's going to be great. And I should have known because he couldn't be great with Russell Wilson. So why the hell was he going to be great with Aaron Rodgers? But I thought, Hey, He's with the greatest quarterback in the league right now. If there's ever going to be an opportunity for him to max out on his potential, it's going to be this season. And dear God, was he disappointing. I mean, disappointing isn't even a word. It's not even a strong enough word to use about how he was using this offense. It was atrocious. And I will never, ever, ever tell you guys to draft him ever again. That's my promise. Yeah, here's number three for me on that. Number two was Chris Hogan. I think there was a lot of promise, especially with Edelman being suspended to start the year. People yep. were drafting Chris Hogan pretty high. Carlos Hyde. Huge disappointment. Uh, unproductive. In, you know, it's crazy. In, there it was, he was starting to look pretty good. Then and they then traded he, him, and then he was, like, non-existent. Yeah, I mean, and who knows? I mean, he might be the lead back of Jacksonville next year, given what's happening with Fortnite and Yeldon at the end of the year. But, and then Michael Crabtree, who just completely just – people were drafting pretty high. This was, this was a credit to Jake. I was wrong on this one. Jake said, yeah, he can't run anymore. He can't, he, he's not going to be – a top option, and you saw him completely fall off by midseason. Jake Leonard Fournette, even though he doesn't necessarily fit the qualifications. Uh, it's more like a player that pissed me off the most, more than least valuable player. I mean, to Jamie's qualification, no, I think it's the guys we just talked about. Um, I can't really think of anybody else that's that's in that category because injuries. It's hard if to you're play. out for two weeks and you play most of the season. You could yeah. be in this category if you weren't very good. I mean, Fournette, his whole thing was he was proud. The thing that pissed me off why I still kind of want to put him in this category. For a while, he was still practicing on Friday. He was still questionable game time decision and pulling himself out. Yeah. When the team was counting on him. Mm -hmm. They were like, remember the first two or three weeks, they thought he was going to play. This was like two or three weeks. It turned into a seven or eight week thing. Yeah. That is insanity. Like, we'll get to him later on. Tell me we're playing or we're not playing. But yeah, I mean, that's uh, the rest of those guys were all right there. So the next one is (laughs) the most bizarre one. I would say, though, if you were to tell me this at the beginning of the season, I would have laughed in your face and pointed at you and mocked you to your face because I would have said there's absolutely no way that during the playoffs, the MVP of the playoff season would be Derrick Henry. The number one scoring player, period, regardless of position during the fantasy playoffs was Derrick Henry, who outscored his weeks 1 through 13 in weeks 14 through 17. Yeah. Unreal. He was an RB 39 going into week 14. He's finished the season as RB 16. Holy it's cow. remarkable. His 47.8 performance, he had to open the fantasy playoffs were it's one of the best fantasy performances we've seen of all time. Yep. He had 17 more points during the postseason run than Christian McCaffrey, the number two running back. Wow. 17 more. That's, that's, that's crazy. And, you know, he was on the freaking waiver wire for yeah. almost, I'd say, season. 50, 60% of leagues going into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I've been highly crit- I, and I, a couple of good defenses he did that on. He did, but I'm buyer beware next year. I'm not taking him as an RB2. Not, I'm just not going to do it. No. I no, because I think they made a significant effort to make him that guy where Deion Lewis, when the weather was nice, yes, we're going to toss it around, dump it off, we're going to do all this stuff. When the weather's not, we started handing it off. The offensive line got healthy at the right time for those guys. Taylor Juan was back. I don't know. It still doesn't make a whole lot of sense, though. And the runners up there were all the names you would expect. DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, Julio Jones, George Kittle. Finish out the top five for me for playoff MVPs. Yeah, George Kittle was a was a huge upgrade this season. He was a guy that, although the the quarterbacks continued to change, he continued Kyle to Shanahan be. Kyle Shanahan didn't. Yeah, and, Kyle and Shanahan Kittle did not. And Kittle was the man throughout that entire I mean, it was impressive, the performances that he had throughout the season. Uh, the playoff least valuable player 
A couple surprising ones on this list, but it leads off with Phillip Rivers, who did struggle the last few weeks. And, man, was it disappointing for somebody who owned him in quite a few Whoever Baltimore's defense played at quarterback was the least disappointing going into that. Yeah, Todd Gurley's got to be there. He didn't play. Yeah. Um, Phillip Rivers was right up there. I can't think of anybody more disappointing. Or James Conner, who was probably the most valuable – draft stock guy for the year for Jamie and I, for sure. Guys are just out. You count on them all year. They got you there. Melvin Gordon was a beast all year and then missed three games. And it was going into the fantasy playoffs to get you in or, you know, in the semifinals. A couple, a couple names here that Jamie has that, that are, that are, I, at first glance, I'm like, and then thinking about it, Drew Brees. I, he yeah, killed yeah. me. For players that played Robert, I went Robert Winkowski too, Golden Tate, Drew Brees, Corey Davis. Yeah. Um, like back on Rivers briefly, I mean, he finishes his QB 11 for the season, which is kind of right around where we yeah, thought he right would. there. He was QB 22 during the postseason. In the yeah. last two weeks, he combined for 10.3 points. Yikes. Combined. Yeah, that's killer. If, you, if that's who you're starting in the postseason, you're not winning. You're and not in, winning in this case, finals. Too, there's no you – you never saw it coming. No. You were, you were playing Rivers. There's no way you could have foreseen this, so it makes it even I mean, more Drew Brees killed me in the semifinals on Thursday night against Carolina's defense. He's giving up big plays everywhere. Yeah. He I puts mean, up like nine points. Yeah. Thursday night football against the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys was kind of the, begin, yeah. the beginning of yeah, that. Yeah, he played bad the last Brees, month. Brees has a history of doing that fantasy finals. Yeah. Like, it, it's been – this is like the third time in like the last six or seven years where – He's just totally laid an egg. And obviously he did and obviously he did not play week seventeen. So yeah. for those of you who owned him and needed him in week seventeen, he was not around. So that's obviously Thank God I didn't have anything fantasy wise in week seventeen. You shouldn't play fantasy play week it seventeen. Was, it had been straight chaos. It's a disaster. Yeah. That's another another op- opportunity for us to tell you not to ever play week seventeen fantasy football. Uh best draft value, this one's easy. James Conner. Uh, that's Almost a great my, one. My number two. Your number Patrick two. Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you took him in the 10th round as a backup quarterback. He's a fantasy MVP. He's a number one scorer. Uh, that one's pretty easy. But next year, yeah, James Conner was number two. Philip Lindsay. James Conner for you and I. I, mean, I got him in two leagues. You beat him in our league. Got yeah. beat me to him. I, I was drafting him in the 11th or 12th. Yeah. Knowing that I didn't think Le'Veon Bell was coming. Yeah. He, he got me to the finals. Of, For like, sure. Three he helped he a lot of people get to the finals. Phenomenal. And I you know, I was driving the Mahomes ship all year, but I had already taken Drew Brees in the seventh round of, of two different ones and, Matt, and, and Aaron Rodgers in the fifth round. Yeah. Of one, so. I think if he was able to stay healthy and continue on, you could put him number one. But Mahomes, because he was there all year long, you have yeah, to give it to Mahomes. He was the number one player. I mean, yeah. You get the number one player in the yeah. tenth round, you got to go with there. Philip Lindsay, number three, yeah. drafted in most leagues. Matt Ryan, number four. George Kittle, number five. I think we forget how low Kittle was going. Oh, yeah. Seems like seven, I picked eight, him up nine. off the waiver wire, and I had Gronk. and didn't play Gronk the last yeah. four or five weeks. Yeah, no, those are all good options. Hopefully, if you – it's funny because I look at those and I think of the leagues that I had success in, and all of those players were on my teams that were successful. Those were all guys I got late. Matt Ryan was my quarterback in two leagues that I got way late that ended up having a great fantasy yeah. football season. George Kittle, Philip Lindsay, a guy I got off yeah, the waiver wires. I mean, that's James Conner was somebody who you drafted and you took a flyer on and ended up being the guy for you, and yeah. Mahomes is Mahomes. Uh, worst draft value, this one this is, is the easiest one. That would be Mr. Le'Veon Bell because he ended up not playing at all. Spend the number two pick and get Ugh. nothing. That is just and the worst part is you probably kept him on your bench for ten weeks. Yeah, and then could so because you didn't have a choice. Yeah. You had to wait and see if he was going to play. Absolutely nothing from Le'Veon Bell. If you handcuffed him with James Conner, then you were fine. You ended up getting the value close to the value you were expecting. But if you didn't, you were pretty. There's screwed. one thing I learned this year, and I'm 
the matchup person, not the fantasy expert that you guys are. Handcuff your freaking dudes. If you're going to take these beast running backs in the yeah, first or second to, round, yeah. you better handcuff them with whoever the backup is later on. Or, man, you are none of them are playing 16 weeks. No. You're going to have to use that guy eventually. Melvin Gordon, Eckler, like later on, I was like, I'm going to just in case. And Eckler wasn't the guy. I ended up being no, Justin Jackson. But, but you know, but you, you, you got to make the effort at the time. you got to do it. Yeah, it's, it's, man, is that important. And the runners up there, Devontae Freeman, I mean, he was going in the second round. He one bad game and was injured in the second game of the year. Royce Freeman wasn't the rookie running back that we expected to be the, the, the pal cow of that offense. I do think he's going to get more touches next year. Rob Gronkowski, yeah, uh, number one tight end drafted in the third round a lot of places outside of the top ten in total scoring for tight ends this year. And then your favorite player, Leonard Fournette. Yeah. yeah. that's I'd have, to throw, I'd have to throw Jordan Howard in there as well. He finished up great and had yeah. good playoffs. So you can't really put him towards the top of that list. But, my God, was he a giant disappointment for the first eight or nine weeks of the season. David Johnson, too. David Johnson's up there. He started getting a bunch of 20-point games, though, because all these, like, check down, dump down, Larry Fitzgerald touchdown passes to him, and he couldn't run it. But he's He's, so good out of the backfield, he still had a decent year. Some people drafting him number one overall. Oh, there's no doubt. He was not the player. He didn't even reach 1,000 yards this year. At least he was productive, though. Yeah. I mean, relatively, compared to the Royce Freeman's time. He wasn't the 40, 50-point games that people were expecting. Yeah, yeah, But he he was getting some 20. He didn't kill you. He just didn't live up to his draft value. Comeback player of the year. This one is self-explanatory. Real Uh, life and in fantasy. It's Andrew Luck. I am so thrown here. It's so nice to see him playing, not just playing football game, but playing at the high level that he's playing. And happy about it. The damn little kid excitement that he brings to the game is just... And look, awesome to watch. I loved watching in a in a week seventeen play or get in just a absolute. They took care of business, completely put away the Tennessee Titans, and they are the hottest team going into the postseason. And as Bruce Arians told us in what week six, week seven, he said, "You are not going to want to play this team." Come January, because they are going to get hot, and they are going to be exactly where they Can are. Somebody, please tell me why Frank Reich is not like at the top of the list and everybody's coach of the year thing. Like I keep hearing him mention as like, a, oh yeah, and one in five to nine and one. Yeah, I mean it's him in it's yeah. him in it. Obviously, you know I'm biased, but the Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy, has yeah. to be the coach of the year for taking that team from where it was to where it is now. He's got to be there. Sean Payton had a hell of a year. He's been there and done that. He's kind of old head, but yeah, I mean those. I think it's Frank. I think it's Frank Reich and Matt Nagy for what they for what they had and what they turned their team into. What listen, what Sean Payton did did was impressive, but he has a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like I'm sorry, and but we the, picked them to win the division. Yeah, yeah, it's the expectation. No, the expectation was that you guys were going to be great. The Bears were picked last or third place in their division, and they blew the division away and were 12-4 and four and were close to locking up. In his first year as a coming, it was, it if, was damn impressive. For sure, in his first season. And Frank Reich had a, a, one of the lineups where we looked and said, man, this is one of the worst teams in football, but they just have Andrew Luck. And it, we hadn't seen Andrew Luck play football in almost two years, and he they're now in the postseason. Couldn't be happier for Andrew, though. Man. Yeah. That's for, for the NFL, but what a, just an unbelievable kid player. I love that he's a football player playing quarterback. He's so, Maybe the he's most so cerebral guy in the league as well, and talented as all get out. Oh, yeah. But at the end of the day, his mentality is a football player. Yeah, and, and again, he's just like he's a human being you want to root for. Absolutely, like, and, and I, there are no easier. better human. And I know some people don't care about that stuff, but I've always like I do identify with a person. And say I want that person to succeed. Yeah. Finishes the top five fantasy quarterback, average more than twenty points per game. I give him the slight edge over next guy on my list because 
Andrew Luck was coming back from a massive career-altering injury, not just he sucked the year before. Matt Ryan was my number two pick there. Uh, Deshaun Watson uh, really looked strong toward the end of the year. I think he's somebody that he's almost like he's almost like comeback player of the year within the same year. Yeah, yeah. Because I said he was going to take a big step back, and he did for like six weeks. Yeah. And then then he kind of figured out what he could do and what he couldn't do, and he really played well the last you know ten or eleven weeks. Uh, David Johnson, even though he didn't have a big season, he he had he was okay. Yeah. uh, Coming off the injury, Adrian Peterson too. Yeah. Oh, I know he really faded down the stretch, but boy, Adrian Peterson had a hell of a year. That team faded down the stretch. They had no 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 players left. Yeah, I mean it's 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 he. This this might have been Jay Gruden's best coaching job. Yeah. Which I was funny because I was highly critical of the job he had done the years prior where I thought they did less. And the guy more. that they fired, Greg Minuski, that defense was awesome all year. And yeah. he, gets, he gets whacked. Yeah. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. Lots of lots of bizarre. There's a lot of weird things going on in that organization. Yeah. yeah. But. Uh, rookie of the year. This one is also easy. Go Saquon. ahead, Jamie. Yeah, it's yeah. Saquon Barkley for all the reasons that we just we, we pontificated about before. Dude's awesome. He's a number two overall player in fantasy. Number three in points per game. Only behind Gurley and Patrick Mahomes. He's the guy. He lived up to all of the hype somehow. Yeah. He lived in up New to all, York. all of it. In New York. On a bad football on team. On a bad football team that wasn't throwing the ball that much. No. No. And Odell Beckham missed a lot of the back half of the he, year. He absolutely threw the entire franchise on his back with all that hype as the number two pick and lived up to all of it. For sure. Uh, other options are Philip Lindsay was on number two, Nick Chubb, number three, Baker, Mayfield, number four, and Calvin Ridley saw with a nice little solid season. Number yeah, five. he did. As somebody who owned him, he had uh, – and down the stretch had a couple of bad games, but then rebounded, had two touchdown games back-to-back. Uh, rookie bust of the year, this one, I think, is also easy. Jamie, go ahead. It's Ronald Jones. And it, it was a bank between two, but Ronald Jones just didn't play. Yeah. Uh, at least Rashad Penny played a little bit. Uh, look, Ronald Jones was being taken in the middle rounds. and uh, He was a seventh-round pick in most fantasy drafts, and he did nothing. He had a brutal preseason, was inactive for the first couple games of the regular season. Then he got activated, and everyone thought, oh, you know, maybe this will be the moment. He had one halfway decent game, and then Peyton Barber was that a home run hitter that you, with that offense you think would have flashed sometime. Yeah. There would have been one 70-yard touchdown in there where he just, just shows that Olympic track speed and rolls. There, it did not exist. I, I'm reading through this. Jane Jones played in only eight games this season and averaged 2.6 points. That is yeah. just yeah. brutal. And Rashad Penny, I like that pick for you because I thought with them taking him in, in the first round, Chris Carson had a hell of a year for Yeah, he did. Penny just couldn't get on the field. When he did and he was healthy, he looked pretty good. And they ran it more than anybody in the league. So yeah. all three of those guys got carries. But he just couldn't get the job away from Carson. No, he couldn't. You know, Royce Freeman was number three there behind Penny. Um, and then at that point, there weren't really any expectations. But I, I the crazy thing was Royce Freeman is. I think he could have been the rookie of the year. He, he played yeah, well. Philip Lindsay wasn't on that team. <laughs> I think he's the, he could be – the numbers would have been really, really good. And that's where it's point to differentiate from fantasy perspective what we're talking about in real life. Real life, per touch, Royce Freeman had a hell of a hell of a yeah. year. Just he didn't get as many opportunities. I think it's going to be a timeshare next year because, again, I think they're going to be worried about Lindsay's health and, and his size. So I do think that's way more of a 50-50 split next year. So I, I, I had three really, I, three really good performances in my leagues, and I kind of like my strategy, but I definitely want to change it because I went, okay, I'm going to go – I'm going to take a flyer on these running backs. I'm going to go Royce Freeman, Rashad Penny, and James Conner late and load up on the receivers and that kind of stuff early. And it worked out because Conner was a beast. But those two weren't on my team halfway through the year. They were both guys who had to make some moves. So, I mean, it's something to look at. I don't know. you got to get lucky with those guys and catch the right team. There's so many timeshare backfields now. Yeah. It's, but Royce Freeman's one of those guys, he catch the ball. He could yeah. have done it all himself. 
It'll be Billy just came out of nowhere. Was a he wasn't a talent issue. No, he's going to be somebody we watch closely in the offseason. What's the coaching staff that they bring in? What's the system they're going to run? Because I think a lot of this had to do with I, I was not a firm believer in Vance Joseph being able to get the most out of this no, team. No. And I, just, I also think Lindsey's going to break down the way that he yeah. plays. There's going to be four or five week stretches where he doesn't play. I think so, too. They're going to have to limit what he does. And at least for this year, I wasn't taking the ball out of Lindsey's hands when he's hot, when he's the best no. player on your team going. Averaging six yards a carry. Not no. taking the ball out of his hands. No, absolutely not. Uh, the last two, again, these guys, there weren't really high expectations, but I wanted to finish out the top five. But Michael Gallup and Jordan Wilkins, they just yeah. didn't do much. But they were they were barely drafted in league. So that, they're not quite fair to be on that list. But I had to get to five. Yeah, you had to had to even out the five. Got, as, he, as I said earlier, if you guys want to check out that list, the in-depth analysis from Jamie, you can go to tdfantasy.com. A little teaser for Friday's show, we get to talk about playoffs, and I am very excited. There's a lot of fun matchups this weekend. There's a lot for us to talk about. Jamie teased uh, Skeletons in the Closet, I believe, was yes, the way that's, was- what, that's what the division around is going to be, and I'll explain why, what that means for Wild Card Weekend on Friday's show. So, uh, lots Skeletons be- in the Closet, division around in the AFC, I'm Yeah, lots, lots to be excited about. Uh, any parting thoughts, Jake and Jamie? I can't believe it's over. Yeah. So fast. Football season goes fast every Week year. Week 17 sucked because I didn't have any fantasy thing going. I know. Like, I wasn't interested in any game, and there were some great games to pay attention to. What a fun year, man. I, I love doing this with you guys. Being this involved in fantasy was just probably not healthy, but, but it, was, <laughs> uh, it was a hell of a lot of fun. Jamie? It really was. And uh, we're going to stick with us through the playoffs because there's not a lot of fantasy stuff to talk about, but there's real football. So we're going to make our picks every week. We might have some locks. Again, we're not going to force them during the postseason because there are fewer games. But this has been a really fun year. I, I, I think we're you know we're going to go back and look in the coming weeks. We'll kind of do some redrafts for next year, kind of look back at some bold predictions we made at the start, see how they went. Uh, but those are very successful first year for the for the TV fantasy family. Yeah, and we hope you join us next year because you're gonna have a whole off season of a lot of really really good stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. lots of really good stuff, and I'll uh, promote the guys since they didn't do it themselves. They were picking against the spread all season long. They were top tier amongst everybody that does it. Uh, they were top tier in their locks. So if you were a TD Fantasy subscriber, you made money this season. Sixty two percent of our locks so far this year. That's unbelievable. That's for for I I know and I don't gamble, but I know enough about gambling to know that if you hit anywhere over fifty percent, especially if you're hitting at sixty two percent, you're hitting at a very high level. And so hopefully you played a lot. Percent for every single NFL game against the spread. Yeah, fifty five percent every single one yeah, for seventeen nuts. weeks. Unheard of. Yeah, no, unheard it's, of. It's nuts, and it's only going to get better as the season goes along for for next year, and we have an entire off season to prepare. Uh, we got ready in about two weeks heading yeah. into this season. So next next year will be even more fun. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. Jamie? Follow, follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jamie Eisner on Instagram. And guys, you can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I, and you should follow TD Fantasy at TD Fantasy underscore on both Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and uh, Happy New Year again. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.